So we're, we're back in the series, I Believe, Help My Unbelief, and we're identifying things we believe that we can believe more or better or make better application into our lives. And today we're going to look at uh, being tempted, being tested, and going through trials. And it's under the, the topic of making decisions. So here's the title of the sermon. I believe every decision I make matters. Help me listen only to the voice of God as I make them. So I, I think if I ask you the question, does every decision matter, you would say, yes, it does. And if I said, who should you listen to uh, when you're making the decision, you would say God. But I, I want to emphasize that and then hopefully kind of put us in a position to seek God's counsel and to understand what he has to say more as we make decisions. So number one in your notes, spiritually speaking, being tempted, tested, and going through a trial can all be related to the same event or circumstance. So we, we have things that happen. We have an, an issue with a friend, an illness, uh, an unexpected bill. We have decisions we have to make. We have pressure being put upon us. We have someone asking us to do something wrong. Any, anything in all of this and so much more. And we call that being tempted, tested, or going through a trial. And a trial is really a prolonged temptation or a prolonged test. So they're all, they're all kind of the same thing. And I want to show that to you. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to say they are exactly the same thing. And I want to show that to you in Scripture. So let's start in Matthew 4.1. The context here is that Jesus has just been baptized the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and the voice of God spoke. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so this, this great event took place, really the beginning of Jesus' ministry, being identified as the Son of God and, and the Messiah to, to everyone who was there. And then immediately after that, it says in, in Matthew 4, 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, to be tempted by the devil means that the devil himself was on duty. He wasn't just managing his, his goals and his people. He was on duty himself, and, and he met with Jesus to tempt him. The devil had a purpose. The devil had a purpose, and his purpose was to try and get Jesus to sin. But look at the verse carefully. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted. So Satan had a plan, and Satan had a goal, but God also had a plan, and God also had a goal. God sent Jesus, that word led, literally means herded, like you herd sheep, like you get them where you want them to go. So, so Jesus was taken by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness so that he could be tempted. Now, there's a footnote there that I, I went ahead and included in your notes. It says, the Greek word tempted can also mean tested. And so I looked to see if anyone else uh, made that transition in their translations, and the contemporary English version did. It says, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert so that the devil could test him. So either word works. Each word has a different connotation and each word really depends on the context. So if you're thinking about what the devil's doing, then Jesus is being tempted. If you think about what God is doing, 
that Jesus is being tested. Now, when we say tested, I need you to think of that good teacher that gave you a test so that you could prove you had learned the subject and move on. The goal was to move you on. The, the test was even a teaching opportunity. So you could identify where you were lacking so you could work on that while you moved on. Not the teacher who was punishing you for not doing your homework and, and talking too much in class. It's the good teacher that's using the test as a tool. Think of uh, in that direction, which still doesn't go far enough. The test given by God is, is to, it was to prove Jesus was sinless. If we said Jesus never sinned, but he was never tempted, it wouldn't have any value to it, right? I never stole anything. I never had the opportunity to, but I never did. It's when I have the opportunity that me not doing it matters. So Jesus never sinned. He was tempted by Satan. So in your notes, fill this in. From Satan's perspective, he was tempting Jesus, hoping he would sin. He was hoping that Jesus would do the same thing he had done, and, and, and tried to take a shortcut to receiving glory and, and maybe even take over the Father's role. But from God's perspective, Jesus passed a test proving that he was sinless, that in his humanity he could overcome sin and would not sin. So that's the, that's the first reference we have. And I, I wanted to start with Jesus because if Jesus can be tempted, then there's no doubt we can be tempted. And if Jesus can be tested, we can be tested. But it was the same event. So when, when we come up against something, we should not be saying, am I being tested by God in this? Or am I being tempted in this? We should just realize that this event is an opportunity for us. This event is an opportunity for, in a positive way, for me to prove myself, for me to overcome for me to grow, or in a negative way, it's an opportunity to reveal the areas I need to work on still. So let's, let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And there's another footnote, virtually the same. It says the, the Greek for temptation and tempted can also mean testing and tested. So we could read that. We could transform those words. It says, no testing has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tested... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. But the testing and the tempting are the same event. It's the same challenge in life that we come up against. It's the same message being, being told to us. It's the same opportunity being given to us. The promise here is the key. So A in your notes. The promise is to provide a way for you to pass the test. And overcome the temptation. They are both based on the same reality. So if you, if you come up to an event in life and, and your thoughts are, I could do this to get out of it. I could do this to take advantage of it. I could do this. And, and the this is something that would be wrong. That's, that's when we call it a temptation. If you approach the same event and, and your response is, 
what's God going to do here? What's God using this for? How am I supposed to respond in, in, a, in a way that honors God, in a, in a way that has integrity? Then that context makes it a test. So the same event could be a test or a temptation. My response is really what makes the difference. But God says whether, whether you're struggling with it, so it's a temptation, or whether you're, you're, you're rising up to the challenge, which makes it a test, he says, either way, I'm going to provide you with a way to overcome it. I'm going to provide you with a way to be successful. I will provide it. So the end result determines if it's going to be called a test or a temptation. I, I gave in, so it's a temptation. I rose above, so it's a test. Let's look at James 1, 2, and 3. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. And remember, trials are long-term tests. It can also be long-term temptation. We know that's the same thing now. So consider it pure joy. Be happy. Uh, don't let it get you down. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know that in the end, you'll be better off because you went through this. Now, strangely enough, you can even be better off when it becomes a temptation, especially if you overcome the temptation. And even more strangely, you can wind up better off even if you give in to the temptation because God doesn't stop working and he'll help you learn from that. But if you, if you overcome and if you pass the test, it says it produces perseverance. It produces the ability to keep going strong. It produces the ability to not become tired. So A, every time you pass a test, you increase your spiritual strength. Which means when I pass this test, it gives me a greater opportunity and a greater chance to pass the next test. And these two increase the chances of passing the next test. So this test prepares me for the next one, which prepares me for the next one. And I learn and I grow, and I'm going to do better. You could also say every time you overcome temptation, you increase your spiritual strength. So that the next time it will be a less of a temptation. And it will still be lesser the third time. And eventually, it will no longer be a temptation because you won't automatically think of the wrong thing. You'll start to think of the right thing. So that same event occurring more than one time will cause you to grow and will eventually turn from temptation to testing. And pretty soon it will be an easy test to pass because you're getting stronger. Now James 1, 4 through 5 Notice is the next two verses. So we just talked about, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now four and five. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. So the end game of the testing, overcoming the, the temptation, uh, passing the test, the end game, not only is your spiritual strength, but you're going to become mature. You, you, I hope you've all met people that have been Christians for a long time. And, and oftentimes we look at the mature believer who's been a Christian a long time, who has studied their Bible, who has an active prayer life, who's involved in small groups, who's attended church regularly, and we look at them and we watch them and we see a maturity. And if you get a chance to talk to them and say, wow, you're so mature spiritually, I wish I could be that way. 
many times they will respond, well, you didn't know me when I got saved. It was pretty weak. I did a lot of dumb things. I didn't make good choices, but God loved me and worked with me and, and grew me up and people invested in me and prayed for me, and, and I have become who I am today. That's called sanctification. So we're, we're going to be complete. It says not lacking anything. And then it says if, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This promise comes one sentence after consider it pure joy in the testing of your faith. So the topic is the testing of your faith. So when you, you meet a challenge, your life circumstance has you baffled, you're struggling with what to do or how to respond or how to get through, God says, if you lack wisdom, which is the, the ability to use the knowledge you have to make good decisions, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And he says he's going to give it generously to all without finding fault. So in the situation where you're trying to figure out what to do, where Satan is literally telling you all the bad things you can do, all the wrong things you can do, he's trying to manipulate you, he's lying to you, he's got lots of voices speaking to you, and God is on the other side telling you uh, principles from Scripture, reminding you of the promises that he's made, reminding you of who you are and who you belong to and, and, and what he's done in your life. And it's a single voice. He says, if you're having trouble discerning which voice is mine, ask me, and I'll make it more clear. I will, I will show you what to do. That goes right back to, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure you can bear. I won't give you anything you can't endure, stand up under. So A, in your notes, when you ask for wisdom so that you can pass a test or overcome a temptation, God promises to provide it. And that's a great promise. Because we're all going to come into situations, we're all going to have thoughts and ideas when, when we're just like, I don't know what to do. Well, it says, ask God. He'll provide you the answers that you need. And then B, as always, it's up to me whether we use this wisdom or not. God says, I'll provide it. I'll show it to you. I'll give it to you. But he doesn't say, I'll make you take that step. Or I'll make you use that wisdom. So I have responsibility here. I can look at any situation and realize, wow, this is an opportunity for me. There's temptation and there's a test. I can rise above or I can give in. God, help me. I need wisdom here. Show me where to go. What's the next step? He shows you. And you can say, well, that wasn't what I was hoping you'd say. I think maybe I'm going to go a different direction. And God says, okay. We all know it's not going to work out because my way is the best way, but go ahead. So we do it, and then we learn the hard way. If we listen and follow, then maybe we learn the easy way. Well, on the other side of your notes, here's some applications. So before we talk about applications, I just want to make this, I want to make sure this is super clear. When you read about testing and trials and temptation in Scripture, it's all the same thing. Every situation can be a trial, it can be a temptation, and it can be a test. If it lasts a long time, it becomes a trial. 
But almost every, every spiritual decision we make, many, many, many life decisions we make, there is a right way to go and a wrong way to go. Sometimes it's neutral. We call those gray areas. Most of the time, there's at least a wise way to go and an unwise way to go. And every, every one of these decisions, every step we take, we are in that situation to either pass a test or give in to temptation. And when we realize that, then we start reading these scriptures a little differently. And we realize that, that, that there aren't those things that don't matter. There's just things that do matter. So here's our application. Number one, every decision you make will either be obedience, wisdom, or failure. And when I say decision, I'm talking about those, those testings and temptations. Every decision you make will either be obedience, wisdom, or failure. So A, gray area decisions where it's not clear. The Bible doesn't give uh, clear instruction. There's no command or principle. There's no well-established boundaries. So every gray area decision made in freedom and wisdom, which means I do have the freedom to choose according to my own, my own wishes, and wisdom, honor the God who gave you this freedom and wisdom. It honors God. When God says you have the freedom to choose, and you choose in that freedom, that honors God. So that's a good decision to make. When you have, when, when wisdom comes into play, where you have the freedom, but when you examine the context, it becomes wise and unwise, then choosing wisdom honors God. If you choose an unwise choice, knowing it's unwise, that dishonors God. All right, so be black and white decisions when God has clearly said yes or no, do this, don't do that. Black and white decisions made in obedience honor the God who instructed you. They honor the God who instructed you. Now see, intentionally choosing the unwise or immoral path dishonors God and gives Satan a foothold. Okay, Ephesians 4.27 talks about that foothold, and, and we don't, I don't think we necessarily understand that language, but a, a foothold is it's just a tiny little place that you can cling to. Think of the rock climber who just needs a quarter of an inch ledge to put his foot on, and that foothold allows him to be steady while he plans his next move. When we choose the unwise choice, or we choose the disobedient choice, we give Satan a foothold, which literally means he has something to hang on to while he plans his next move. He has a place in my life. He has something he'll remember. He has a tool to work with so that he can come alongside and give the next temptation or to tell the next lie or to interfere with God's plans. So every, every decision. Now sometimes... A decision can be wise for one person and not wise for another person. If, if, if you have a heart condition, then running a marathon might be a really bad idea, right? If you're healthy, it might be a really great idea. So the wisdom says, if my heart can't take the stress, I shouldn't do this activity. Then it becomes a, a decision of, wisdom or foolishness. So we, we have to 
kind of be aware, and we kind of have to be thinking, and, and this is what I want you to get today, that there are a lot more decisions that make a difference in life than we want to give credit for. We want to just deal with the big ones. Well, let's talk about the Ten Commandments. Let's talk about a couple of favorite verses. Let's, let's, let's not get too excited about the small stuff. I'm just going to live life, do my thing, go left, go right, go forward, go backward, buy this, sell that. I'm just going to move around wherever it kind of feels right or feels good or, or kind of adds to my, my goals. I'm not going to worry about it. What I'm trying to say is that even those decisions can be the important decisions. Even those decisions can move you closer to God, strengthen your faith, give you that perseverance, make you more mature, or they can also draw you away from God. And Satan does it in a way that you don't even know what's happening. Where all of a sudden you're committed to something you probably shouldn't have been committed to, you're distracted by something you probably shouldn't have been distracted by, all of a sudden you're, you're conflicted because you've, you've opened the door to things that, that shouldn't be open. So we have to watch out for these things. We have to know these things. Number two, I must understand or embrace that every decision will either honor or dishonor God. Sometimes it's just a little bit. Sometimes it's a lot of bit. And often it's in the middle. And it's hard to determine where we are on the spectrum. But every decision will either honor or dishonor God. Number three, I must understand that the path I take in making the decision does the same. So not only does the decision itself either honor or dishonor God, but the path I take honors or dishonors God. And you notice I said uh, getting lucky does not honor God. And, and then I said I have to show my work. Well, I'm kind of mixing my metaphors there, but maybe you can, you can track with me. If I wind up doing the right thing, but it was by mistake, it doesn't really honor God. If I made a selfish decision and it happened to work out good for everybody, that doesn't necessarily honor God. We might give God glory for getting his purpose across anyway, but I can't say, this is the way you do things. You just run ahead and hope it works out. Because it did once. That doesn't honor God. In math class, we always had to show our work. And for a while, it was annoying because I had to show work that I thought was irrelevant because I already knew the answer. But after a while, it became really important because you got such detailed work that if you got the wrong answer, you were able to look back and see where you messed up. Which step do I need to correct? Where do I, where do I redo my work from? And the process is often more important than the answer in the math problem. And it's true here. How I get to where I am makes a difference. Did I pray? Did I consult the scriptures? Did I look for wise counsel? Did I ask, is this wise or unwise? What process did I go through? The process is part of what makes us stronger, gives us that perseverance and, and all that kind of stuff. So B, just saying the same thing over again, the ends does not always justify the means. The ends do not always justify the means. How I get there matters. So number four, fourth application. When I find myself in troubling, stressful, traumatic, or dangerous situations, those would be 
tests, temptations, and trials. So when I find myself in these sets of circumstances, or I, I find myself needing to make a choice, I, I just got told I had a diagnosis, I, I just got told somebody's upset with me, or I lost my job, or I have a chance to choose right or wrong in a big way, all these kinds of things. A, God is calling me to use my knowledge of the Bible, his character, the not my knowledge of his character, my knowledge of his commands, my knowledge of his promises, and his Holy Spirit to make good and wise choices. God is calling me. God is, is literally saying, hey, all these things that happen in life, they're, they're going to be used. They're, I, I can use them for good. I'm going to do good things with them. I, I, I need you to overcome so that you can grow. And then as you grow, I can use you for more things. And God is calling me to use what I know. That's, that's wisdom, using what I know to make the right decision. What is God like? What would he do? What would he say? What would he ask? Oh, that doesn't sound like God at all. That doesn't match the God of the Scripture, so that must be Satan telling me the wrong thing. What are his commands? He's, he's clearly said to do this, so no matter what else I hear, I know that's wrong because God has said this is the way he wants it done. God has promised to do certain things and be certain things, so whenever I hear that he's not, I know that's a lie from Satan. I need to use the things God has already given me to get to the place he wants me to go. B, Satan is calling for me, and he's using lies and deception. Satan is calling for me to use culture, selfishness, idolatry, societal pressures, pragmatism, which is the ends justify, or the means, the ends justify the means, and unproved lies to make bad and unwise choices. So there's always a battle going on. Satan and, and his system, the world, will always tell you to do the opposite of what God's going to tell you to do. And Satan has a lot of voices. And he's going to have popular influencers tell you one thing. He's going to have uh, you know, the news and the media and, and science tell you something. He's going to have neighbors tell you things. He's going to have pressure from family members. And he has all this stuff. He's going to tell you just straight up lies. He's going to tell you something will work when it won't. He's going to convince you that you're the most important person in the room, no matter who else is there. He's going to tell you that you need to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. These kinds of things. And he's drawing you to make the bad decision. So God is calling me to use my knowledge of the Bible to make good choices. That's God testing me. Do you, you catch that? It's a test when God is calling you to make the good decision. It even says, I'll help you get there. It's temptation when Satan is calling you to do the wrong thing. And, and both are usually happening at the same time. See, in almost every situation involving a choice, I have the opportunity to prove my faith in God to myself. Hey, God already knows I'm proving it to myself or to discourage my faith and damage my witness. I have the freedom to choose. I have the freedom to act. I have the freedom of who to listen to. God doesn't want us to be robots. He doesn't want us to, to do what he asks because we're forced to. Otherwise, we're not really loving him. We're not really worshiping him. He wants us to choose, so he gives us a choice. And he says, I'm going to give you all you need to make a good choice. 
And I know Satan's going to tell you everything he can to make you make a bad choice. But it's the choice is yours. So I have to take ownership of that, and, and I have to do my homework when I'm making these decisions. I have to think clearly. I have to know who I'm listening to. So D, if I prove my faith, I made the situation into a test that I could pass. If I damage my witness, I made the situation into a temptation that I failed in. The difference between the two is who am I listening to? What voice am I listening to? Then number five, my job as a believer is to listen carefully to the voice of God and ignore the many voices of Satan as I make decisions. I must apply this principle in both the big, the small, the important, and the mundane. I'm kind of trying to tell you that the small and the mundane don't usually exist. The small and the mundane are part of the lie when Satan says, this doesn't matter. You know what? This compromise won't hurt anything. This lie won't ever make a difference. Uh, this amount of selfishness is okay. It's to be expected. It's not to be worried about. Really, the small and the mundane don't exist. The decisions are all big and important because every decision, you know, uh, beyond the, you know, what kind of a sandwich am I going to make today? Every decision has the potential to honor God and strengthen my faith or dishonor God and weaken me. Now, the beauty of God and the relationship with God is even after we make the wrong choice and weaken our faith, he's right there to say, let me, let me teach you. Let me put a little discipline in your life. Let me bring about some more testing. Let me, let me put you in a place where you can grow in spite of this. And he does that. So the statement at the bottom is the same as the title of the sermon. It's, it's, it's where we needed to get to today. It says, I believe that every decision I make matters. Every test, every temptation, every trial. I believe that every decision I make matters. Help me listen only to your voice, God, as I make them. That's, that's how we need to leave the room today. I'm going to make a lot of decisions. It, it might be what I watch on TV. It might be who I, who I hang out with. It might be, you know, how I treat my coworkers. It might be how I treat those who work for me. It could be how I interact with, with finances. It could be how I value relationships. It could be my work ethic. This could be my integrity and my honesty. It could be whether I break the rules when I'm out fishing or hunting. It could be all kinds of stuff. Oftentimes, I've interacted with someone out in the public and then come to church Sunday and, and see them come to church. And if I can remember them, they can remember me. And I need to be the same person out there, even if I'm just buying a pizza or going to the store and getting some groceries, as, as I am when I'm the pastor. And, and we all have to be that. So I believe every decision I make matters. Help me listen to your voice, God. That's the prayer. Help me listen to your voice, God. Make the voice clear. You promised to provide the way of escape or the way to endure. I'm asking you to make that clear all the time. And then my part is then to listen. So 
This is how we end this. I hope you haven't forgotten. It'll be embarrassing if I'm the only one that does it. We're going to start the prayer right there. We're all going to say this prayer together out loud. I believe every decision I make matters. Help me listen only to your voice, God, as I make them. And then I will finish the prayer. So let's begin. I believe every decision I make matters. Help me listen only to your voice, God, as I make them. Well, Father, your voice is the voice we need to listen to. There's no doubt about that. You speak through your word. You speak through fellow believers. You speak through small groups and devotions and Bible reading and music. You speak to our hearts with your Holy Spirit. There's so many ways you can speak to us. And sadly, Satan has mimicked and corrupted every one of them where he can throw a fake voice in. Tell us it's your voice when it's not. So help us to discern your voice. Help us to hear and identify and then listen to your voice. Because your voice provides the way to be successful, the way to pass the test, the way to rise above the temptation, the way to become mature. So help us find that voice, help us hear that voice. And Father, I pray that, that as we hear it, we would follow it. Give us that strength as well. Help us to think about these things, not just make it a Sunday morning thing, but a day-by-day -day attitude in our lives. Ask for your blessings to be upon us in your son's name. Amen.